Welcome back to the second hour of Love, Babs, Love Talk. I'm Babs Rose Ivy. I'm delighted because I got my friends on this morning. Hey, Lauren Anderson and Isaiah James. Y'all know Lauren Anderson runs that little beautiful bookstore over there on uh, Edgewood and Hotchkiss called uh, Possible Futures. And Isaiah is uh, by any means necessary traveling bookstore. So they have combined efforts and we're going to learn something about the Black Panthers this month. <laughs> the day, we're going to learn something about Black Panthers starting the day into uh, Black History Month. So tonight there is a uh, there is a virtual I, I, a gathering, a teaching, a revolution in our time, teaching and learning about the Black Panther Party. So so Lauren and Isaiah, jump in and talk to me about what is happening. What what is what is going on? You want to break it down, Lauren? What, what was that, Nye? I said, you want to break it down? I got mine, too. I can, I'll start us off, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand off to you. Um, yeah, Babs, you're holding up a beautiful book. It's, it, uh, is, it really is beautiful. Right? It is. It's, like, it's spectacular. It's like a work of art and history oh. and, and like a labor of love. So tonight is both like a kind of, in its way, like a standalone event with an author, Kekla Magoon, who wrote that amazing book you were just holding up, uh, Revolution in Our Time, uh, The Black Panther Party's Promise to the People. And if, if you can see it, you could see that it has like a whole bunch of medals on it. Like it was just honored by just about every medal it would be eligible for, including that it was like a national book award finalist. Um, so she's going to be joining us to talk about the book tonight on Zoom from six to seven. It's a free event. It's sort of pitched towards um, educators broadly defined because we are the co-sponsors of this particular event are the bookstore, the Anti-Racist Teaching and Learning Collective, which is a group of teachers across the state of Connecticut who are working to bring ethnic studies teaching into high schools and specifically to work on the implementation of the Black and Latinx studies course that every high school in the state is mandated to offer in the coming years. So it's that group of teachers. And then it's also just educators who work with young folks. And it's meant tonight to kind of uh, put the Panthers in context and also kick us off for this sort of longer um, project that is, you know, a collaboration between Possible Futures, BAM Books, Elm City Lit Fest, um, Hartford's Lit, and some allies and friends to, um, to do something we're calling the Fred Hampton Project. Yes, right? So Fred Hampton's, what would have been his 75th birthday is this year. Uh, August 30th. And so we're using this event tonight to kind of provide context for a series of events where folks can learn more about Fred Hampton's life and legacy, because I think we all feel like um, teaching about the Panthers is a crucial thing that isn't happening enough in our schools, like so much, so much um, isn't, isn't happening that should. And also that so many people um, don't, really don't learn anything about Fred Hampton and all that he accomplished in his Cut very short, very life. short life. Yes. Yeah. Of, 21, of, just, of just 21 years. People know that he was assassinated, but oftentimes that's kind of all they know. And he was just a tremendous human whose uh, legacy like lives on in so many ways. And also can, can be something that young folks especially can draw on for inspiration, just given who he was and what he accomplished um, being such a young person himself. Um, and so that's kind of, that's kind of the overview, but like, we're, we're very excited. I think about all the parts of it. And then just, 
it would be great if anyone watching wants to join tonight. Um, they're welcome. We're going to do a book club around the book in February. And, you know, we can say more about about all of that. Did I did I kind of capture it? I think it you did enough? a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I think Essentially everything. I, I, I think I think it's a good job. I think there's a lot of backstory um, <laughs> to a lot of this. Uh, I'm excited about uh, uh, Kikla coming uh, because this kicks off this conversation. And I and I love this renewed interest right now that the Black Panther Party is enjoying. So it's necessary. I love that um, Fred Hampton is finally getting um, some some light and some shine out here in these Black Panther streets because, you know, we know so much about the other ones. We know so much about Bobby Seale. We know something about Eldridge Cleaver. We know something, I mean, we know something about all the other people, but Fred Hampton sort of... Uh, 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 wasn't that well known as, as a Panther. And he was charismatic. He was dynamic. I mean, he was like 20 years old. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, he was well-read. He was well-versed. Um, very articulate. Very articulate. I hate saying that we are articulate because that just burns me up. When, no, but like he gets on stage. But he was. Him, he was you know? fire. He was fire. And so my friend, our friend Andrew, had no awareness of Fred Hampton. And then when he found out about Fred Hampton, he just was like, why aren't there books about, like he was genuinely outraged. Like, why aren't there more about him? Um, And so the Fred Hampton uh, project here is born out of his his love and commitment to seeing this man be uh, raised to his rightful place. Um, So so Nizé, you've got the book club coming to talk about, to get us ready for all of this. Yeah. How, how how do we attack this book? How do we? I don't like to use warring words. How do we come to this book? How do we come at this book? How do we delve into this book as a book club? Um. Well, we're going to start um, just by, you know, we're going to do the pickup on February fourth at Possible Futures, and I will be giving a Fred Hampton one hundred and one just uh, for information for new readers and people who don't know much about Fred or the Black Panther Party. And we're gonna talk about the book, talk about um, the the Panthers and their legacy and um, hopefully new and younger people will gravitate towards that and it'll be educational. And um, during that reading process, we're gonna be doing um, uh, book check-ins and uh, on the 25th, We'll meet up and discuss the book over um, at the Gather on State Street and essentially just talk about the legacy the Panthers um, have have left us and the work that they put in and basically how we can pick up where they left off and, you know, have a good time and enjoy each other's company and, you know. So when you when you when I, I was thinking about this earlier. When we, when we when we are here talking about the Panthers, like this is Black history. This is like mm-hmm. this is like in your face Black history. But so many other states are not allowing for this kind of discussion, conversation, or awareness raising. And uh, I don't want to say we're lucky in Connecticut because Connecticut has its own ills, right? Yeah. But when I think about a state like Florida, who is going out of its way to legislate Black history out and Black people out of its own history in that state. Um, I mean, what what do you think about that? And 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 what do we say to Floridians? <laughs> that that's very unfortunate. Um, but 
at the same time, I realized that it's up to the people to educate themselves, which the Panthers were very uh, much advocating for um, self-sufficiency. And we just got to educate our, our people, our own, if, if need be. Yep. So you're saying even if... Uh... It's important for this book club, I, I feel... I like that. I just want to say I to- I totally agree with that. I mean, I I was a teacher. I think I love teachers, good teachers, teachers who are working mm-hmm. hard at their craft. Um, I also think schools are just not um, they're not the only places where, and sometimes they're not the primary places where like transformative learning happens because they're messed up institutions that were created from jump really to strip people of their culture more than they were to like honor their cultural wealth. And so it makes sense to me in a lot of ways that like some of the deepest learning experiences young folks might have would have, would happen and, and kind of young folks of all ages, right? Like would happen in a library, uh, right? <laughs> outside of schools and in like intergenerational dialogue um, in places that can kind of be like a, like a third space, not, not school, um, not home, uh, but like, you know, gathering, a, a gathering space. That's why it's really nice to also bring the conversation to gather on State Street because it's just moving, moving it around um, the city. And I will say like about Florida, just shout out to Rod Ferguson. I don't know if anyone here knows Rod, but Rod is, uh, lives in our area, is a Black queer scholar at Yale and was named in Florida's State Department documents as one of the, you know, dangerous forces that was <laughs> being introduced um, to the curriculum. So needless to say, we already knew, we all knew, those of us who know Rod know that Rod is like, I always say like dangerously brilliant. Now, apparently all of Florida knows that if allowed to like, if allowed to hear from like radical thinkers, uh, young folks, Young folks are not to be trifled with, you know, they, they, young folks want to get free, not all young folks, but enough young folks. It's part of the reason why, why people go to schools first to cut back on opportunities for like actually um, accurate learning about the history of activism and resistance, because young folks, that's like candy to them. You know, Mm. they do, they want something different. And Ron DeSantis is terrified of that. Oh, uh, Ife wants to remind us that the full name yeah. is the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, created mm-hmm. to educate mm-hmm. us on ourselves and defend our community, mm-hmm. which is which is very powerful. Yeah. So uh, what I what I find interesting in this conversation um, uh, with the backdrop of uh, uh, Florida and Texas and all these other states that are sort of anti-Black everything, uh, that that the way that librarians have become subversive <laughs> and the resistant that, you know, with this whole banned book thing, you know, books are being banned and librarians are putting, are centering these books uh, front and center so that people can still have access uh, mm-hmm. to, to this information. So talk about educating your own communities. Librarians are really playing a critical role these days, uh, as well as independent booksellers, I think too, because they have the power to sort of, uh, put books out into the community that raise awareness around these kinds of things. So talk a little bit about what community can do to further um, uh, develop these dialogues and conversations around 
our uh, history of black and brown people and indigenous people and people who historically have not been part of the, the telling of history. Any one of y'all can jump in. <laughs> um, well, for me, I didn't learn about the Black Panther Party um, in school. I happened to stumble across um, the Black Panther Party Reconsidered um, at the library downtown New Haven. Um, and from there, my mission for knowledge um, just became a journey. And I think it's important, like when you're on that journey to, you know, uh, embrace community and the people around you and make them a part of that journey and pro process. So, so how, when, were, how old were you, Nize, when you ooh. made that revelation, when you made that discovery? And what happened? Like, what was that experience? When you saw that book or you came across it, what, did, what were you like? Because I imagine that, like, the whole world just opened up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have been about 13 or 14. And I was just completely shocked that none of this stuff was in the curriculum. I didn't know these names. I didn't know these spaces. I wasn't familiar with the Black Panthers being a political party, um, them providing free breakfast programs, healthcare clinics. Um, and it was sort of like, I became outraged. You know, this was my history, um, our history, and it wasn't, you know, being told and, from there, um, I knew that I had to be a part of telling that history and getting other people to learn about that. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to start the Radical Thinking Book Club, just to um, bring people together collectively to have these difficult conversations and to educate them um, on all sorts of matters involving our society. and. Um, the things that keep us marginalized and hinder the community and ways to, you know, break free from those shackles and, you know, come up with ideas to better the community and, you know, just collective work period, because that's when we get the most work done collectively. Mm -hmm. mm. Lauren? I mean, I just, I, I, lo I love I love working with Isaiah and Ife and Andrew and Zima. And I do think like yeah. to your question about like what can community do? I just think it's like building relationships and also giving people multiple entry points. So one of the things um, that I really like appreciate is we, you know, sort of the the Fred Hampton project and this event, like it's actually like a bunch of different groups mm -hmm. kind of working together and we got to the whole of it by each bringing sort of different parts. And I think that's part of the way, you know, you both build community, but you also build opportunities for learning. And, and even something like Nize and I geeked out a little bit together on this. I love it. It's, it's great. I took a Dad, picture of it. on the board, right? Yeah, but part of what I part of what I do like love about it is I think people need people need to be invited in low like low stakes ways to like join and be part 
of a conversation and, and demonstrate that they want to learn. And it's just like a basic, <laughs> just post it. It's like, what do you think, you know, about Fred Hampton? And like, what do you actually want to know? What questions do you have? And I think when you like create space for that, even something like the comments, right? So Ife jumping in and saying what people don't always say is that the full name is the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. Like that's actually a really important point that we yeah. only get that we only get if Ife is in the conversation and we have space for her to make that point and space for people to hear that point. And when we think about what's happening in the news right now, like the public mourning around like the incredible acts of violence by the police. Um, you know, there's a real reason why um, the Black Panther Party was the Black Panther Party for self-defense and why there are parts of the book that are about like the taking up of arms. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times teachers are afraid to kind of go there with young people, but young people are being cheated. And I think what Nize is saying is that sort of all of us at some point have gotten to a place where we're like, wow, these institutions that I'm told I'm supposed to trust have actually cheated me out of consciousness raising experiences and information. And that is purposeful. Right? There's a reason for it. And so trying to build spaces where, you know, that institutional agenda just like isn't operating or is really important. And hopefully people who participate in those spaces go back into the institutions. Like we're not gonna get rid of schools anytime. And I don't want to, I, I think schools are really important. But schools might be improved upon by public education efforts that don't happen inside of schools, but that press schools to do better. Mm. I like that idea. So, so what do you what do you want people to take away from tonight, from the book club, from the Fred Hampton um, uh, project? What do you what do you want people to come come with and take away with? A good question. Naizai, you want to? Um, you know, I'm a professional question asker. I know. I know. <laughs> That's a good one, Dad. We're getting, we're, getting worked. we're getting worked. Well, for me, I would just like to see um, people leave with a little piece of Fred in them. You know, I think everyone has that inside of them, um, consciously uh, and subconsciously. So I think, you know, everything that he, he stood for, everything that he was trying to accomplish um, are still very much important and needed today. And uh, I think a lot of people recognize that. So I don't know, I just, I, I, I'd like for people to give him not, not only his dues, but just to see the work that he was doing and, you know, see what we can collectively uh, do together to, you know, create substantial, substantial change and yeah. I like that. Just educating each other, you know, learn from one another. What All about right. Lauren? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the same and also to kind of just um, I guess it's a little bit like what I was saying before about like to feel invited in a way into conversation and and also that like you know that that there's like an ongoing space. And it's not like a necessarily a physical space. Like it could be the bookstore, but it could also be like wherever the radical thinking book club <laughs> moves to. And it could also just be like 
I don't know, sitting out on a bench in conversation mm -hmm. that there, that there are opportunities. I mean, it's one of the, that there are opportunities to learn together and that you can both like join one and you can also propose one and help to build one around something that is important to you. I hope people will also get the sense that like tonight's event is a really wonderful opportunity to meet this author who I should also say like, this is just a small slice of her other amazing books. Um, and she has a new one that just came out like a few days ago, actually on um, last Tuesday. So, but to just, yeah, to just know that there's, um, you know, that, that books can be a physical thing that, that allow for a conversation to happen and um, and helping just like build community around books and in relationship to books. It's sort of like books are books are a vehicle for 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 really good things to happen. Um, and so let's gather. I like that. Now I I, I believe there is a I think there's a, a thing called the Fred Hampton bookshelf bookcase what is that it's a uh, all the books he's ever read i think it's the fred hampton apartment or fred hampton oh, shoot. I never read that. <laughs> yes andrew told me about this and andrew? i wish he could i <laughs> wish he was on, and, I know, Andrew's on. let me tell you something he is all in let me tell you oh, uh, no. but he no. had he had mentioned to me that he wanted it was like 200 dollars or something or some out you know not outrageous but it was a sum of money and you can get all the books that Fred Hampton ever read. Like it's this whole two hundred bucks. I think it's like two hundred, or maybe a little That's bit more. Good. But it's a whole, it's a whole thing. And yeah. I, I think it's called Fred Hampton's bookcase or Fred Hampton's bookcase in his apartment or something. Some... Oh, you know what, Babs? I wonder about that because I don't know. We were talking about that Carrie James, amazing Carrie James Marshall. Um, painting that's almost like entirely black and it's actually you have to like look at it at, at kind of angles to see that it's um Fred Hampton's bedroom and I I do wonder it makes me think maybe it was maybe it's like the shelf of books because that would make sense perhaps more than all the books he's read in his life for two hundred dollars because that sounds like a good deal something tells me Fred Hampton read a lot of books yeah. <laughs> he did he read a lot of books but I, I can't remember I can't remember what it was but I Andrew yeah, I have to get him to to like tell it act absolutely, but it was something to that effect that you could have the the reading, you could have all the books that Fred Hampton read that was in his apartment or whatever, or something to that effect. And I'm so sorry I can't pull it up to the, the the email that he sent me talking about this, and it's I was like, exactly and I was trying to get him to buy. I was like, just buy them, like. <laughs> I was going to say, Babs, it's perfect because now we get to say y'all got to come to the book club. That's it. Right. That's, it. That's it. If you if you want the the final word on this bookshelf and many other things, you got come. You got to come. The title listy. You got to come to the book club. <laughs> got it. Yes. And then, well, and then you'll get. Then you'll get it. <laughs> so did did either of you, Naza? You may have seen the film, the uh, the mm. the Fred Hampton film. Did you see? I have mm. not seen it. I know how. Um, I know what it is, but I haven't seen yeah. it. I've been on the fence about it because you know I'm trying to. I, it was a really good film. My only um, problem with it was that it focuses too much on William O'Neill rather than Fred um, and the betrayal rather than, uh, you know, shedding a light on Fred himself, his life and the work he was doing. It's just, you know, but it was a really good film. 
Oh, Andrew sent a text. The books in Fred Hampton's, it's a short short story. Short story. Is that what it is, oh. Andrew? A short story? I thought it was a collection of books. Or they give you the list of books or whatever, which would be really cool if you had yeah. that primer, right? Like if you if you could uh read all the books that he read. But he was a prolific reader. I mean, he he really yeah. was a reader and he really was about the world too. Like I think there was a shift in him about just being in just being a neighborhood and then the shift to the a global thinking about black people everywhere right like mm-hmm. and all black people were oppressed somewhere in the world and even then it became not just about black people but a whole class struggle mm-hmm. you know yeah the rainbow yes coalition. the yeah. rainbow coalition yeah yes yes and the rainbow been, co- you know, which is still in effect terrifying yeah and also, and also like that's that's also another one of these like very scary things to people it's like you got a rainbow coalition you have a certain kind of numbers you know mm-hmm. that that's the kind of ron DeSantis will be running running somewhere <laughs> <laughs> that's fine he he can go the rainbow coalition is coming for you ron <laughs> and you know the rainbow the rainbow coalition is still in effect push in yeah. Chicago, they're still doing stuff. I I still run the Young Lord, Jesse Jackson's. Still yeah, I still run their their op-ed pieces when they post stuff. I still run it in the inner city newspaper. Uh, I mean, the black press. I was. I will say this: um, that we've 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 never left the Panthers. Like we've we've been consistently across this country talking about the Black Panthers as if they were very much present um, um, and revolutionary. We black the black press across this country has has been carrying that torch um, since the, since the beginning and, ha- and has not put it down. So, uh, but I, I love this new, this new recommitment to that story. So how do you, how do we teach, how do we talk about the Panthers in today's world? How do we talk about it? You know, when we are seeing so much gun violence, when we are seeing so much still continued police brutality, when uh, black women are still, um, not protected in this country. Uh, I mean, how do we how do we contextualize the Panther the the Black Panther experience and the Black Panther movement? How do we do that? And you know, Lauren, as an educator, I I I would imagine you'd have some thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I do. I also think um, I think I like I hope people will come to the talk tonight because I do think um, when I was saying before about entry points. I really appreciate that we're like, we're actually reading a book that is technically a YA book, right? It's for young yeah. adults. It's a it non- does not feel that way to me, but no, I feel like it's very easy to read. You know, everything is just, you know, it's, it's really it's not- readable. It's yeah. also got, um, it's got document content. It has image content. It's beautiful. It has these like interactive component pieces. And I do think the book itself puts the Panthers like in a longer history of mm-hmm. struggle for self-determination, right? And then it also kind of scopes out to the more contemporary present to make the point that what the Panthers were really like fighting for and were largely like, and most impacted by infiltration, right? And active <laughs> active like work on the part of the FBI to undo them, um, uh, unsuccessful ultimately, but also um, in many ways uh, 
toxic, right, to the party mm. itself is that all of all of that organizing, all of those issues, that 10 point plan, like it's as it's still as relevant today as it ever was. Um, and so like in terms of how do we teach about it, I think one of the things we have to do is like we have to make sure people know more. It's very mm -hmm. hard. You don't need to ever as a teacher, I would say to teachers, it's impossible. Like you don't need to know everything. You need to do your best to know as much as you can, but you also need to position yourself as a learner alongside students who know a great deal of a tremendous value that you don't know. <laughs> and so like <laughs> um and to allow yourself to be um to be schooled and educated by um by folks who are both your elders and who are younger than you. Um and so I think that's part of it. I also think that it's, you know, there's a wonderful woman in Connecticut. Her name is Shimei Morales-Jones. She runs a black and brown homeschooling co-op called My Reflection Matters. She co-authored a book for young children called The ABCs of the Black Panther Party. And I think that like the idea that we start teaching about um, history deeply in high school is really problematic. We actually need to start teaching very young children. And it's one of the things I love about the bookstore, right? Um, is that kids come in here and they see in the visual culture of the place, like histories that don't necessarily get touched by classroom practice. And I do think, you know, some of the how of it is really inviting young children into conversation about, um, about history and about historical figures. Like why don't young children get to learn about who Fred Hampton was? Um, and I, I think that, um, some of the things we just didn't mention, and I'll give a quick shout out to are like Nzima Hutchins of Hartford, um, Hartford's Lit is going to be doing some poetry workshops for us that are really an offering to young people to engage in creative expression about what they learn from things like um, their engage with, engagement with revolution in our time and the content of something like Nizay's uh, Fred Hampton 101, which we hope won't just be the only thing that happens, but will spin off into other conversations and experiences around whether it's like speeches he gave or, um, you know, just getting getting young folks engaged more with um, actual historical content and allowing them the space and the resources to respond expressively and artistically to that. And so just an example is like one of the easiest ways for young folks to feel like they can write poetry sometimes is to do blackout poems, where essentially you give them documents and they create poetry, not by generating the words themselves, but by blacking out words to create poems from like inside of a text. And so you could imagine having kids read a Fred Hampton speech and then inviting them to black out parts of it to create out of that speech a poem that somehow communicates their response to that. And I think those those sorts of opportunities that just allow people of like different um, ages, backgrounds, knowledge levels to participate are really are really important. Um, and that we ultimately all learn from those experiences. Uh, we learn different things. But the things that we learn contribute to the to the collective conversation. I like that. So, Nize, I mean, uh, you you and your presence and the way that you think make me very hopeful for the future. You know, because I'm on the I'm on I'm on the other side of this of this revolutionary life. 
And, <laughs> uh, and I like knowing that it'd be young sisters like you out there uh, taking, taking, taking this message and this information and raising this awareness. What, what does this mean to you though, as a, as a young sister? Um, well, every time I do see young people come to the book club or, or buying, um, books, it's just like a, a beacon of light and a beacon of hope, um, to see that there are still interests in books and, uh, critical thinking and um, it just it shows that the work is is far from finished and I think a lot of people recognize that and are willing to put in the work to implement change or at least fight to see changes made so it, it gives me a lot of hope um, and I'm just hopeful that you know more people will come reach out um, for the Fred Hampton project and you know it brings sparks interest and collaboration and hopefully you know we'll just keep the ball rolling oh i love that i love that thank you all right lauren you get the last word talk to me about libraries and why they're important because i love libraries so i'm just saying my essential workers here this this is how a small business survives <laughs> <laughs> Right, our beloved UPS folks getting us our boxes early in the day. We, I know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I feel like it's a good segue, Babs, to to library folks. Too. I mean, you asked earlier about about library. Um, I think libraries are super crucial, and they kind of always have been. We tend to think. I think the cultural image of a librarian. And I hope nobody is going to come for me on saying this. I think I'm speaking some truth is like an older, nice white lady with glasses <laughs> and a cardigan. And nothing could be further from the truth. You know, librarians really are the keepers of knowledge and also democracy. Like when the Patriot Act was like put on the table and people were actually talking after 9-11 about surveilling the stuff that folks actually read and yeah. read. Yeah, it was librarians who just would not stand for it. And I do feel like even now they're doing so much with so few resources. Um, our amazing New Haven Free Public Library System has a tremendous five branch Black History Month set of programs. So we know that the Stetson branch is always anchoring like the work of Black history resource um, distribution and kind of knowledge gathering and also just like a celebration of culture. But it's also that like librarians across the system are working hard to create opportunities for people to access resources, to get good programming. All of the books that, you know, are here in the bookstore, you can request from the library. Um, the library is still a place you can and should go. And when push comes to shove and like budget season is upon us, <laughs> nothing in so many ways, like funding our schools and funding our libraries matters as much as anything else. They are, um, none of them are perfect institutions, but they're critical. And really like, if you looked at the library salaries, you'd be horrified given the range of things that um, librarians are offering to community in New Haven. And so I just want to thank librarians for doing this often under-celebrated and certainly under-compensated work to make sure that 
you know, resources are available to our young folks and families and residents in the city. And I want to say not just in the city, because when Pride happened on the green in New Haven, there were people who came down to the green and said, I've come here from X part of the state to go to the New Haven Free Public Library because it has queer books on the shelf that I cannot get in my own um, in my own small town or in the city where I live because of the politics of that space. And so we just need to, we need to stand behind our libraries as book sanctuaries that, you know, make, make sure that books that are getting targeted and banned elsewhere in the country are not subject to that here. Thank you. I appreciate that. So if y'all have presence of mind, those who are listening and those who will listen later, um, there is a virtual discussion tonight at six o'clock from six to seven and uh, revolution in our time. Um, uh, Harry probably will. Uh, Harry, can you post up the the, the 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 sign again? Revolution in our time, teaching and learning about the Black Panther Party. It begins there, and then I hope you will come to the to the to the book club, Radical Thinking Book Club, and I hope that you will gather with us around the Fred Hampton uh, project. Uh, I, I'm very proud of this work, and I'm so glad to be a part of it. So thank you all for coming on this morning. And, uh, and being my guest and talking about such a, and I hope that we, as we move forward through this, through the next months and weeks, weeks and months, that um, y'all come back on again as we move through each part of this, this, uh, this, this movement that we're building around the elevation of the Panthers and Fred Hampton and all of that. So, so thank y'all for your time this morning. Thanks thank for letting us see. Yeah, it looks, it looks great. <laughs> this is great. It looks great. So, so thank you. Thank you, Harry, for uh, another great day. Thank you, Paul Bass. And I'll be back tomorrow with another guest. <laughs> <laughs>